Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. Please reach out to me as my listener. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you are interested in being a guest, if you know someone who would make a great guest for this show, please reach out through my website, which is NOLA. Therapy.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. There you can schedule sessions with me in person at either my Los Angeles office location or my New Orleans Los my New Orleans, Louisiana office location. And I do phone, Skype, and FaceTime sessions worldwide with clients also. Please keep subscribing to this show on iTunes, Google Play iHeartRadio, and on YouTube. The channel is NOLA Therapy. I am grateful and appreciate that so much. I really appreciate your support. Okay, my guest today is really special. I love the book that this gentleman has written. And in just moments, we are going to be with Rabbi Manus Friedman. If you're near a computer, you can pull up thejoyofintimacy.com and follow through or, or be able to look at his book as we're speaking about it. Rabbi Friedman has been praised by Bob Dylan and Rolling Stone. He's been featured in, this is just a selective uh, list, on CNN, A&E, PBS, BBC Worldwide, The New York Times, and Seventeen. He has worked with couples for over 40 years. And today we are discussing his book, The Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. And what I love about this book is Rabbi really talks about the roots of intimacy and marriage and relationships being rooted from a spiritual perspective. And his book specifically is rooted in Jewish tradition and Kabbalah. He's expanded upon the definition of intimacy as an essential need for us to know and be known. And I just welcome you, Rabbi Friedman. Thank you for taking your time out to be with us today. Thank you very much. How are you? <clears throat> Thank God. We're up in um, in the mountains in Colorado and we're having some hail. So oh goodness! If you hear any weather? That's what you're, <laughs> that's what you're hearing. I I understand that. So where do you want to start our listeners today on this journey of intimacy, the importance of it, and and the way that you've worked with it so directly in your practice? Well, the, the crisis I think of what's happening in in our country, the intimacy crisis, uh, became very clear when I kept hearing from couples who were happily married, you know, a successful marriage, a functional marriage, and yet they each admitted that there were moments when they felt completely alone in the world. Mm. And that's a little more frightening than couples who can't get along and who are constantly fighting and, and are 
unhappy in their marriage. We've always worked with that. We've always tried to fix that. But when they're happily married and they're still alone in the world, now what's missing? So that would cause so me turns to out, question. Yes, Rabbi, go, I would question the, the happy part about their marriage. Continue with, with what you were saying. Yeah. So it seems like there's, there's an element or an ingredient called intimacy that can be absent even in a functional and what we would call a successful marriage. So we had to find a new definition and you know, really come to understand what is this thing called intimacy? How do you get it? How do you lose it? What's going on? <clears throat> so it turns out that if a husband, for example, would say, I love everything about my wife. Mm. That sounds pretty good, assuming that it's true. Right. <laughs> But if, if he really does love everything about his wife, and yet his wife says that she feels alone in the world, the, you know, the, the diagnosis is pretty simple. He loves everything about her. Does he really need her? So I ask husbands, you love everything about your wife. Do you love her? And not just the idea of everything. her. Yeah. He said, I love everything about her. I said, yeah, but do you love her? <clears throat> so you see, for example, if, if a man says to a woman, I want to marry you for your money. I love you for your money. I want to marry you for your money. What's wrong with that is it, that it's not true and it's not honest. He doesn't love her. He loves the money. Mm -hmm. And if they get married, he's not marrying her. He's marrying the money. So if the money disappears, uh, you don't, uh, it's not rocket science. Right. If the money's not gone, is gone, she has no place in his life. He never married her. But listen to the implied insult. If I am marrying you for your money, if I love you for your money, I'm actually saying what I want is your money. If you must come along with the money, okay, fine, I'll put up with it. But if I could have your money without putting up with you, that would be even better. Right. Now, apply that to love. I'm marrying you because I love you. I'm looking for love. Isn't that saying the same thing? If I could have love without having to put up with you, wouldn't that be even better? <laughs> so if I'm marrying you for something and I'm getting that thing, I will be content, but we will both continue to feel alone in the world because we haven't connected to each other. There's the intimacy. Yes. So the intimacy is the connection between two people with no thing in between them. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not both in love with some mutual uh, quality or activity. or They want each other. The desire to have another in my life. And other means, not don't be me. Be you, don't be me. Because I have enough of me. I don't need more of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where the problems begin. Why am I tolerating you? Why am I putting up with your opinion and with your mood and with your emotions and with your, uh, your, your lifestyle? 
<clears throat> so is that what I want? Is that I want someone who is not me in my life? Yes, that's intimacy. And biblically, when God said it is not good that man alone exists, that's what he was saying. There is a certain instinct in the human being, I'm not enough. No matter how great I am, I'm not enough. There must be someone else in my life to expand my existence, my borders, my purpose. And that enables us to really merge and become one. That is the definition of marriage. It's not a roommate. It's not a best friend. The only person in the world that you can become one with is a spouse. You're not one with your parents because they have each other. You're not one with your children because husband and wife have each other. The only relationship that is truly one-on-one -on -one is, is a marriage. And if we don't have that and we end up feeling alone in the world, it turns out that that's actually a health hazard. When you feel alone in, in the world, your, your, your immune system crashes. So that's why I say that the need for intimacy is a real need. The need for love is a luxury. So how do you introduce these concepts to couples when they come in and you start talking to, to them about these underpinnings of marriage, of their relationship, when they might come in being inclined to, to put the responsibility upon the other partner instead of upon themselves? How do you start redirecting yeah. the dialogue to, to go within? Yeah. Well, the, the first shocking piece of news uh, and myth that we have to get rid of you do not marry for love. So if a couple come and say, we love each other, we want to get married, my answer is, you already love each other, why are you getting married? What do they usually say? They're a little confused. Yeah, I bet you take them back. Yeah, because we're, we're like brainwashed to believe if you're in love, you get married. Why? Because you love each other. But... If what you're looking for is love and you already love each other, why isn't that good enough? So getting married means let's lock ourselves into this relationship so that we'll stay together even if we don't love each other? That doesn't make any sense. So if all you're looking for is love, this doesn't lead to marriage. You know that old song, love and marriage go together? Right. Like a horse and carriage. <laughs> it's not true. I know it's not you... true. Mar marriage has a much, a much more ambitious purpose than to find love. So if love is all you want, get it from your mother. <laughs> and for our listeners, since I'm, I'm more familiar with your work and your book, it, you talk about love being about me and intimacy being about us. And that it's a cultivated right. skill that's practiced, that's physical, emotional, that, that we maintain, that has spiritual or, origins and, and is interpersonal. Can you talk to our listeners right. about how you help people understand that? I, I think we live in a society that actually worships love. Love has become our God, the God of, of the West or of, of, the, of America. 
It is the highest value. It, we, we kill for it. We die for it. It's the answer to every problem. If, if your child is acting out, it's because you don't love him enough. If the marriage is, have, is, have, is on the rocks, it's because you don't love each other enough. The solution to everything is love. And, of course, it's not working. It's not working. The funny thing is, people actually believe that marriage means a lot of love and a lot of sex. And it turns out that those two things, love and sex, is what's destroying marriages. In what ways? Because they, yeah, because they are things, and intimacy means two people beyond all things. So love can actually separate people instead of bringing them together. Because my love is, is, is what I want. That's my pleasure. We happen to have mutual love, then two people are each experiencing their own love, their own emotion. And it doesn't bring you together, it just synchronizes your feelings. So you're each having your own emotion at the same time. And that's why you can love somebody and they'll never know it. Because love is your experience. It's what you're feeling. It's personal, not interpersonal. See, and this is what I really like about your, your work. The, the philosophy is deep. And it took me a while to wrap my head around what you were saying. And I even think of your book. It's titled The Joy of Intimacy. I think of it as The Skills of Intimacy because yeah. you really do talk about these necessary skills that I think a lot of us weren't taught in the models that we had of what marriage was growing up. And so I like, that's why in the introduction, I said the way you redefine and expand upon what we've known intimacy to build, to be, that it's beyond a feeling, beyond an emotion, and it's a true skill set that needs to be actualized and actioned every day with a partner. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. Our grandparents, you know, we always say, back in the good old days, our grandparents, they were married. <laughs> you know, they, their marriages were strong and deep and lasting and many people laugh at that and say, oh, come on. They were miserable. They were unhappy. They just didn't have the option of divorce as readily available as we have it. But the real, the real analysis is when they got married, they wanted to have each other. They bonded with each other. They became one. Now, many of the things about each other they really didn't like. <laughs> so they argued about it and they bickered about it. But they had each other. And that's why they would never get divorced. Why lose each other? Now we, because we're more materialistic, we get married because we love everything about the person. We just never bother to connect to the person. Or we think we do. We think we love everything about them yeah. until it starts to present and inhibit our pleasure, our agenda, so to speak. Yep, yep, yep. So the definition of intimacy is this magical ability that people have to get past their own surface tension and merge with another person. But the way to do that is a process of elimination. Eliminate all things 
focus completely on just having the other person. And, you know, this really happens. If you stay married for 50 years, that's what happens. You merge. You get past all the things. Mm. The things that originally brought you together. But you move past them because it's a much greater, much more meaningful bond than, than friendship or companionship. So I think the experts, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm right, the experts are saying that all the emphasis on increased pleasure for married couples, all the advice columns and all the books that were written on how to get more pleasure out of your marriage and have a better sex life and get more love and more satisfaction, that whole thing was misguided because couples don't need more pleasure. You get married in order to have closeness, mm -hmm. not pleasure. As <laughs> somebody said, we're a generation. We don't need more pleasure. We have chocolate. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not behind on the pleasure scale. What we need is closeness. And that's an improvement, I think. But it's still not the truth. The truth is closeness you have with friends, even with good neighbors. Marriage is strictly for the purpose of becoming one. And that sounds a little mystical, but it's human nature. Mm -hmm. We can't be healthy and we can't be content just being me. There's got to be an us. That's the way we're designed. That's the way we were created. In fact, if you really want to get mystical about it, God himself, perfect, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, etc., 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 he created the world because being himself is not enough. Mm. Beautiful. To share his creation in fact, with us. In fact, the more perfect you are, the more you want to become part of someone else. Because you're not looking for things anymore since you're perfect. So how do I get to really want to have you in my life and not something from you? I stop wanting things. If I don't want any more things, then I can really focus on just you and not things about you. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is a is an accurate commentary on in popular pop psychology, a lot of the magazines we see and, and interviews we hear that it is about, um, I think it pushes people to feel more isolated and like they're not doing enough as opposed to being and and sharing the connection transparency vulnerability that i think as readily available communication is easier and faster yet we're more disconnected and more unhappy so we're lacking in the true being with each other instead of doing for and and everything as you were saying moments ago and I'm curious, Rabbi, it, you've been married for a long time. How did this work kind of coincide with the development of your marriage and, and even the way that you teach your children about these principles for them to apply? Well, coming from a very traditional background, there are certain things you just take for granted and you, and you proceed with it without even realizing what it is you're doing. 
So in, in talking to people and in, uh, listening to people's marital problems, I realized what I had been taught or given or inherited or whatever, however you want to call it, which I, I didn't even appreciate and I didn't know I was actually doing. So in the traditional lifestyle, marriage stands on its own. It was never a byproduct of love. It was never a fulfillment of self. It was always going beyond self. Even at a young age, maybe particularly at a young age, mm -hmm. when you're really idealistic and, and uh, not yet set in your own ways. So it's the old truth, it's the old secret to, uh, to what marriage is really all about, which we took for granted and didn't actually verbalize, and we didn't explain it. We just kind of, you know, continued what was, the unbroken chain. But today we need to verbalize it. We need to understand it because we're competing with other messages that uh, attract people and, and convince them differently. And we have to disabuse them of these, of these ridiculous, I don't know, Hollywood notions or right, I don't know right. who to blame media, for. And the media are just quick culture of instant gratification and, and, easily able to dismiss people places and things it's it's really eroded the quality of our relationships which is reflected in marriage and the statistics that we see in our modern culture mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so a practical thing uh in the in the old television shows like uh, the honeymooners or i love lucy yes. or almost when when the couple were about to be intimate. The way it was depicted back then is they turned off the lamp. And then you knew they were going to be intimate. And that wasn't only because they weren't allowed to show what, you know, what they show today. That was the reality in life. Every decent human being, to be intimate, you turn off the light. When did that change? And I, I suggest to young couples today, I say, just, you, you want to improve your marriage, turn the lights off. What do they say to that? They're, they're amazed. Okay. That Just a simple thing like that. Don't ever be intimate with the lights on. Because that's a distraction. You see, intimacy is invisible. If you can see, you're seeing something other than the intimacy. And that's going to distract you. And you end up feeling alone in the world. And then thinking about it, I realized, who, who introduced the idea of turning the lights on? Okay. Pornography. Oh. The, porno, the pornography industry. And, and that's, that was not, not so long ago. Uh, intimacy with the lights on was strictly a pornographic reality. Now it has become mainstream. So are we all living pornog pornographic lives? Just the idea of turning the lights off. All of a sudden people say, oh, that's intimate. It's something as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I see nothing. I say nothing. I hear nothing. Well, then what am I focused on? 
the sensations. You. Right. Yep. Rabbi, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and I'll bring you right back on in just a minute. Okay. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of all things therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy now. Enjoy. Do you want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. I am with Rabbi Manus Friedman talking about his book, The Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. Rabbi, can you talk to some of the listeners that are not married in some ways to to really live into being prepared to take that step and how you counsel people that aren't married but but want to be if you want to be married then you have to put marriage you know on the top of your agenda if you're going to be dating somebody and your intention is marriage then make marriage the focus otherwise dating becomes a lifestyle of its own and it just goes on and on for years and it does not lead to marriage you actually get good at dating and you're not so good at marriage. Mm. So a lot of dating or living together for a few years, it does not prepare you for marriage. On the contrary, it makes you good at something other than marriage. And then when you try to get married, you're in, you're in, you're in for a shock. So there is no trial marriage. There is no partial marriage. It's a total merging of two people. Either you do it or you don't do it. You can't practice you know, you can't play at it. So if you're going to get married and you're marrying because you believe in marriage, not because you happen to love someone. So if you're going on a date, the first thing you want to find out is what is the guy you're meeting or the girl you're meeting? What does he or she feel about marriage? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me if you love me. Tell me if you love marriage. Yes. Because that's the purpose of our meeting. If you're not really committed to marriage, you're not in love with the idea of marriage, then we have nothing more to talk about. So it's not a popularity contest. You don't go on a date to make a good impression, to, uh, to, 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 to get his approval or, or his uh, respect. You're there to find out if there's a marriage in the offing here. So if you put marriage first, then the likelihood of getting married goes up by about 100%. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's a suggestion. If you really want to get married, pick a date on the calendar, a reasonable date, 
like, uh, I don't know, eight months from now. And the next person you meet, before you get into any other conversation, take out your calendar and say, I am scheduled to be married in eight months. How's your schedule? Rabbi, what... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what have the results been with this, I like your sense of humor, with this technique? Well, everybody says, no, you can't do that. The guys will all run away. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, You filter out the ones who are not serious about marriage. That's how you get married. But if you spend your years dating guys who have no intentions of getting married, this, this is frustrating. So figuring, deciding that this person has the same intention, a value, a belief, a desire to be married as well, number one. Right, right, right. And then the dynamic between male and female. If, you're, if a, a woman is sitting with a man, and for some reason, mysteriously, she feels very comfortable being a woman. There's something about the man that is doing that for her. He lets her feel like a woman. She doesn't have to prove herself. She doesn't have to put on a show. She doesn't feel the tension that's usually there. That's good chemistry. The guy is sitting with a woman, and he feels really comfortable being a man. There isn't that uncomfortable or exciting tension. She lets him be a man. This is good chemistry. They, they can make a good marriage. They're giving and receiving the reciprocal energies going back and forth there dynamically. Yes, yes. So when, when we talk about good chemistry, we don't mean how exciting is the person you're talking to. That doesn't really tell you much. And also, that, that creates a very, a very competitive society. In every society, the best-looking guy or the best-looking girl is going to get all the attention. Everyone will be vying and, and, and competing to get the same, you know, the... the the quarterback, uh, the football team, or the uh, homecoming queen. So you become jealous, you become competitive, and those who are popular become arrogant beyond, you know, intolerably arrogant. It's, it's just an unhealthy society. So we're not looking to be impressed by the person you're dating. You're looking to feel that comfort. So the woman feels, you know, I, I could follow this guy to the end of the world and I would be perfectly happy doing that. And the guy is thinking, you know, if I could take care of her and provide for her for the rest of my life, that would be perfect. You have that feeling, then you know that you've got something that will work for you. Trying to get the attention of the most popular guy or the most popular girl, why do you think that would make a good marriage? There's no indication of, of, of a marriage or of a good marriage. Right. So the way, that you, the way that you choose a spouse is by good chemistry, not by being impressive or uh, popular. It's not personal enough. You have to get that personal feeling. This guy, I could follow him. I could, I could, I could support him in whatever he wanted to do. 
and, and it's mysterious. You, know, you can't really explain why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. But that's what chemistry is. It's not, not logical. But you've got to know what chemistry you're looking for. You know, just sexual excitement doesn't prove anything. So yes, we can be truly married and truly become one to where I, I just can't imagine who I am if you're not in my life. So one final beautiful thought, I think. Mm -hmm. If I don't need anything from you, because I, I'm not looking for things anymore. I've outgrown that. I'm looking to have someone in my life, and I want it to be you. And for whatever reason, you're not available. What am I missing? Okay, good question. Yeah. If all I need is you and I don't have you, what am I missing? How am I imperfect? Mm -hmm. I'm not. I am perfect. Because I'm not missing anything. Yes. You're missing in my life. So the vulnerability of needing someone else in your life, that vulnerability is really a strength and not a weakness. Mm -hmm. Because without you, I am missing nothing. I just miss you. So you can be perfect and vulnerable, which is, which is not only perfect, but also meaningful. I like that. You know, Rabbi, your, your work is found in so many places. Your your work is just prolifically out there and endorsed and supported by by so many publications and individuals and at the same time being rooted in traditional Judaism that the principles you teach are are, are very rooted in, in tradition that some would say even are you know, outdated, just beyond the young people of today. And I'm curious how you meet those kind of questions. And, and even from non-traditional couples, gay and lesbian population, how, how are you, you know, handling those kind of interests, questions, et cetera, as you've been asked? Yeah. Well, the good news is that it seems like all these messages of putting yourself first, looking out for number one, uh, trying to find your own fulfillment and satisfaction and using others to complete yourself. We, we're brainwashed to believe it, but we're starting to realize it's not working and it's not right. People are really desperate for true intimacy. Mm -hmm. They may not know it yet, but that's what's happening. And that's why all the experimentation with, uh, you know, searching everywhere desperately, how am I going to find true intimacy? But if we don't, if we don't make it clear that pursuing satisfaction or self-satisfaction and finding intimacy are really opposites, people are going to keep tripping up on this. Mm -hmm. You know, getting confused. And it's amazing that the, the people who understand this concept best are teenage girls. And in what ways? It's amazing. They, they, you don't have to explain much. As soon as you say there's a difference between intimacy and love, 
intimacy and sex, it's and they yeah, they got it. They're right there. They're ready. I guess because they're not as brainwashed, they're not as uh, not as uh, habituated to uh, mm-hmm. to this indulgent lifestyle. Right. But they already but they already know enough to know that sex is not the answer. Yeah. Did you know that your work would so, become as as well as wide received at, when you were coming up in your own years over the last forty years in this work, or has it surprised you even? Total surprise. Total surprise. But on the other hand, it is so it is so true you now with a capital T that that it's it's universal. It's true for everybody, it's true everywhere, and it's true at all times. And that's also good news, because no matter how badly you've messed up your life trying to, uh, trying to find that intimacy in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways, as soon as you go back to it, being that it is so natural and so true, it's, it's so easily recaptured. Mm-hmm. What would you like to leave listeners with? If you want to improve your life, fix your life, get back to what is real and true, it's not that difficult. No matter how badly you've messed up before, and no matter how entrenched you are in the wrong things, shaking it off and getting back to the truth is easier than messing up. Okay, and what are some of those steps that you direct people? Okay, so number one. Treat marriage as a completely independent and uh, uh, self-justifying activity. You don't marry because you love someone. You marry because marriage is awesome. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way we're meant to live. You know the old song, uh, it's the way we always heard it should be, so we'll marry. It's the way we should be because... That's how we are designed. We need to merge with at least one other person in the world because we cannot just be me. And to take away that feeling of I'm alone in the world, there's only one solution, and that's called marriage. So our respect for marriage needs to go up. Yes. Secondly, and this is also really crucial, What's going on in society today with the Me Too movement and, and the harassment and the if you really if you really understand the problem, it's not that men don't respect women and it's not that people abuse power. Those are old stories that's been around forever. What's happening in our society is we have lost respect for intimacy. Men and women. So this is not men against women. You know, we're not we're not creating a uh, a gender war. Men and women both agreed, like back in the '60s, that we shouldn't take intimacy so seriously. Relax and have some fun. Free love for everybody. Free love. Free of what? Right. Free of commitment. Free of the sacredness, Free. even, of marriage as yes. a sacred contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we purposely, intentionally, <laughs> premeditatedly killed intimacy. 
And it was okay for a while, but now we're realizing the backlash. You can't fool mother. Right. You can't fool mother nature. Mm-hmm. Intimate is intimate. So if you ask the men who are accused of these misbehaviors, now I'm not talking about rapists. Rape has always been a crime, and that, that's there's no mystery there. But if you ask these guys, don't you respect women? They say, yeah, of course we do. Then why do you do what you do? And their answer is going to be, what did we, we, what we did was nothing. We were playing. It's, it's harmless. Hasn't that, been, hasn't that been the attitude since the 60s? All of a sudden, this is too intimate? So there's where our mistake lies. We don't have to separate men from women any more than they are already. What we need to do is regain our respect for intimacy. A touch is intimate. If you make jokes about intimacy, it's a violation. That's sacrilege. Treat intimacy with the respect and the awe that it deserves. Yes. Because that's how you create the next generation of human beings. Don't play with it. It is a sacred thing. It is. So if we had the respect for the intimacy and the respect for marriage, I think we can get back to a very healthy life. Rabbi, I want to thank you for being my guest. We had a little difficulty in the phone line, yet I'm glad it worked out. And I I appreciate you taking your time out today. It was such a pleasure. I think that this this is really life-changing and life-saving. Yes, absolutely. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks again. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with Rabbi Manus Friedman, author of The Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. Please join me next week as I'm back at the same time. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only.